All right, everybody, welcome. Sons of Saturday podcast. You already know the feed you're on. You clicked on it. We're fired up to talk to you. Welcome back. It's time to talk about our feelings. It's time. Feelings matter. Feelings are important. Um, I just landed back in Atlanta. Um, feeling pretty empty inside. Tweeted it last night. I want to go home. I'm home. Did some laundry. Drinking some Terrapin beer. Um, it's filling up my empty soul. Pat, how you feeling, man? A little bit of the same here, Mr. Mitchell. It was a, uh, it was an awesome weekend. I had a blast. It was so much fun. It just hurts. It really hurts. And you think, all right, we win at six overtimes in our last game. Maybe this is just a way of things evening out. But it's not how we wanted to do it. And uh, you know, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll get over it. We got a big game coming up next week, but uh, that one that one definitely stings. Grayson, how about you, man? Um, yeah. Uh, came home from watching the game at Jocher Daly's yesterday. Uh, we had the biggest crowd that we've ever had at Jocher Daly's. It was awesome. The crowd was great uh, until about the last minute of us all being in there everything was fine and then ian book you know does his thing and uh at that point i was like oh you know usually usually i would be i would be sad here but i'm i'm used i'm used to being disappointed because i'm a virginia tech football fan and i've been here more times than i can count on my fingers so uh came home after the game and uh, didn't leave my room until about noon today, so um, <laughs> not uh, not doing too hot. For a frame of reference, for those that just tuned in, that is uh, three o'clock Eastern and four o'clock Eastern before you set the clocks back. So Grayson stayed in bed until four o'clock Eastern, which is a very long time. Um, but visually yeah. upset, you guys can't see him. It is a podcast, but you can see the sadness on all of our mugs right now. Um, but it's time to talk about the game. Pat, you and I were in South Bend. Uh, Grayson, as you just alluded to, you were at Jockster Dailies. How many did you get out there at Jockster Dailies? Um, honestly, I would like to say around like 20, 20 to 25. That's if, awesome. if that's correct. That's what it felt like, at least. It was really cool, man. Like, props to everybody who came out yesterday. Uh, the, the crowds have definitely been hit or miss. But now it's it, it makes sense that we've been winning. Uh, we've won over the past three weeks prior that that people would would sh- want to show out for a game as big as Notre Dame. So it was it was a lot of fun, regardless of the outcome. Gotta say, Pat, uh, and you can attest to this. Uh, why don't you talk about just kind of the environment? We said Road Warriors. You know, the Finn family was there in force. Um, and uh, Hokie Nation was there in force. Can we talk about just kind of the uh, the road presence in uh, South Bend, Indiana this weekend? Yeah, proud of the Hokie Nation for uh, for making the trip up, whether it's the nine-hour drive from Blacksburg or flying into Chicago and then uh, making the two-hour rental car or uh, get picked up by your buddy uh, ride from Chicago to South Bend. But oh, we, ha- we definitely had a presence Um one of my close friends, Matt Smith, Notre Dame student, said that uh, we had the best um, away 
uh, attendance out of anyone who's uh, come to South Bend this year, which is great to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a blast. <clears throat> the uh, the stadium itself definitely was there was not that much air pumped into the stadium. You know, after two losses, you're not really playing for anything. Um, Notre Dame, that is, you know, the fans kind of weren't really as passionate as you could catch them on, you know, an opening weekend in September when uh, the whole season's in front of you. That Michigan game last week definitely debilitated uh, their fan base, kind of took the juice out of the stadium. Honestly, uh, it it was kind of a library for the entire game, aside from late in the fourth quarter when they got really fired up when they sacked Quincy. Um, but aside from that, I mean, great hospitality, uh, you know, great fans on the other side, great fans on our, our side. The stadium staff is mm. completely just so professional and so welcoming. It's it's all, I you know, I definitely suggest if you've never made the trip to South Bend, go out there for a game because um, it's it's a cool experience. It's definitely different than most um, most experiences, but it just hurts to end uh, end on a sour note for us. What do you think, Bill? So let's talk about the football game. Um, a lot of folks expecting Hendon Hooker to come back, expecting to see both Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson. You know, there are rumors flying around all over the place. And, you know, if you were to just, you know, pick up your handy-dandy iPhone or if you're a green message guy and you pick up your Android and you look at the uh, team statistics here, um, we got outpassed 139 to 341. We got outgained 447 to 240. Uh, we got out first downed. 25 to 12 um, and we uh, and we ran 24 less plays than Notre Dame um, anybody that looks at that stat line without looking at the score is going to assume that it is a um, a pretty convincing victory for the Irish um, Virginia Tech came out and was gritty Quincy Patterson started a quarterback little um, little uh, little different there uh, he was asked to do a lot more he had six passes attempted last week he through 28 passes this week and Virginia Tech found themselves winning the game heading into the fourth quarter and all the way up until 90 seconds or 30 seconds left in the game um, lost the game 21 to 20 versus the 16th ranked team in the country on the road um, let's just get right into this uh, Patrick talk to me a little bit about the offense in general um, obviously you know with uh, with Quincy getting the nod here asked to do a lot more than normal um talk to me a little bit about that yeah definitely some positives but more negatives uh unfortunately just um having trouble moving the ball having trouble running the ball i think we averaged 2.7 yards per carry um really couldn't do much with quincy on the run because it was kind of framing it as being super predictable for him uh, to run the draw or run a read option. He did have some nice runs in the second half, but it was really hard to get the ball moving at all in the first half. Um, one of the biggest things about Quincy, I, th I think that I feel like every single time he, he drops back and gets ready to throw, I kind of like gasp a little bit. It is a little nerve wracking seeing him, you know, uh, grip it and rip it and throw it away. Um, but he did have some nice throws in the first half and we just had, we had three, four five drops, um, which was just pretty uncharacteristic of our receivers. Um, I, I, I feel like late in the game when he was doing those, um, 
kind of Hail Mary type chucks down the field in that last drive. It looked like he was like trying to throw a baseball. Like it, the mechanics were a little uh little non-perfect, I guess. It looks like he's definitely going to be a project, but um you know, lastly and we can transition this bill, but I really was frustrated at how we painted ourselves as tight end to you after beating Miami and then we targeted Dalton Keene zero times and once to James Mitchell and had zero catches from the tight end so we needed to see a lot more of that so uh, Grayson before I before I roll into you I'm gonna I'm gonna give you kind of uh my section of whys here um basically things that during the game or after the game I, I looked into and and I was pretty confused by it and 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 the ones that really stood out here are with Quincy Patterson throwing six uh, passes in his entire career, you'd obviously expect to try to get the Dalton Keens, the James Mitchells of the world involved, and also get McLeese involved in the passing game as well. Maybe run some screens here, some bubble screens with the wide receivers, etc. We had 20 total passes thrown to two wide receivers in Turner and Hazleton. We did not uh, run any screens yesterday, didn't get uh, McLeese the ball in space, um, so the no tight end utilization and uh, the lack of kind of dump off passes uh, to running backs or, or wide receivers were really kind of head scratching to me. Um, that mm-hmm. that that stood out probably uh, probably the most. Grayson, what did you think about um, kind of the offensive play calling and the offensive output as a whole? Well, I think it's typical frat frat boy Brad, you know, trying to get cute um, and and. I don't know if he was trying to like catch him off guard or trying to like, like, like trying to expose their defense. I don't, like, I don't know if he thought that, oh, Notre Dame's going to be expecting this. So why should I even bother calling those types of plays that typically work very well for, for the offense that I run? And I don't know, man, like, Quincy kept going to, to to Hazleton, and he kept trying to hit Trey Turner. God bless him, man. Trey Turner wasn't really a factor in the game until, good lord, like I would say halfway through the third quarter. Um, and just just the fact that you have those guys like James Mitchell and, and Dalton Keene who have have been so effective for us. It's like, is Quincy not making the right reads? I think that's part of it. Because, I mean, the, the kid comes from an offense in high school. He barely threw the football. I'm not, I'm not sold on how good of a passer Quincy Patterson is. It kind of showed yesterday, and that's no disrespect to Quincy, but it's, I don't think that's what he's kind of meant for. That's not what he's used to. And as a result, he gets quick feet, and he's like, okay, boom, Hazleton, bam, and just pops the first thing that moves. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it was play calling. I, I think it's a healthy balance of play calling and trying to be cute and, and catch Notre Dame off guard, which they didn't need to do. They were trying to catch them off guard by not trying to catch them off guard, if that makes sense. I and think, then with, I th- yeah, I, th- I think, I think what you're getting at here is uh, I actually think what it really came down to was us. I don't know how how comfortable Quincy is running certain plays, and I don't know how comfortable the coaching staff is having putting him in certain situations. Here, here are the exactly. facts. The facts here. So coming out into the first drive, Notre Dame put eight in the box, and they ran one high safety. 
we took a shot to Hazleton. Uh, honestly, Hazleton was open. We missed him. Uh, if you weren't at the game or didn't hear this, it was extremely windy uh, yesterday. It was 30 to 40 mile per hour wind gusts. You got a freshman in there. And it's not that Quincy looked nervous because he definitely didn't look nervous, but you could tell that he was doing very much one read. If he's open, get in the ball. If he's not, maybe look here and then you got to take off. Um, so you're putting a lot on this guy. And, I ke- and the thing that I keep hearing as well is tweets out there like, he was in the Elite 11. They just don't trust him. I mean, you know, the Elite 11 where you're taking a ball off of a tee and throwing the guys in shorts and, and, and headbands is a lot different than lining up against a, the number 16 ranked team in the country in South Bend, Indiana, who as a freshman at your homecoming in Chicago, your whole family's there. You're coming off of an emotional six overtime win where literally you just had to run quarterback power the entire time. And it was awesome. He did an amazing job. And I really think he has a bright future. But just to say he should be doing better because he was in the Elite 11 is absolutely ridiculous. And we need, to, we need to calm down with that. There are obviously, Pat, you alluded to it, mechanical issues that probably need to be fixed. There are experience and reps that need to be taken. And there is an offensive playbook that needs to become familiarized with. I think those are all factors. With that being said, as I said earlier, the uninvolvement of tight ends, the uninvolvement of quick, easy things like screen passes and dump offs to the running backs were very confusing <clears throat> to me. And Pat, we said this in the game as well, and you can, you can kind of take this and run with it. As as funny as this sounds, I was kind of surprised we didn't run more jet sweeps trying to get Trey Turner involved. Like you said, Grayson, he wasn't doing much until the third quarter. Pat, you looked at me and you said, Bill, where are the jet sweeps? <laughs> yeah, I was like, honestly... Where are the jet sweeps? How do we get the ball in Trey Turner's hands? I don't care if we can't hit him long or hit him uh, on a on a crossing route. Um, we need to put him in his put the ball in his hands somehow. Let's do a jet sweep, and then we finally pump out the jet sweep, and we turn it over right on the fifty, That's and amazing. all momentum was gone there. And it was crazy because we had been wanting something like that all game, just to mix it up a little bit. Uh, Speak but... for yourself, Pat, man. <laughs> Speak for yourself. We oh, were, my gosh. We wanted to see something different than what we were seeing. And I wanted to see the ball in line. Trey Turner's hands is what it comes down to. Because he wasn't see... getting – Oh, wasn't oh, getting... oh, oh, don't get me wrong, boys. I'm happy to see it in Trey Turner's hands, but when he's catching a dime pass down the right sideline, not when he's coming across the field. It miss me till the end of eternity – with the jet sweep. Well, I think we, we go ahead. We go ran ahead. it. We ran it once yesterday, and that that one play is all it took to show why we shouldn't run the jet sweep anymore. I, Brad, do away with it. I We're disagree. I, I disagree. We're done. I disagree. You had eight guys in the box. They're running with. Their, they're tying their hair back and they're running up the field. And honestly, I mean, in all seriousness, I felt like we were faster on the field than Notre Dame was. Um, And I think that they had to find some sort of way to get Notre Dame to honor and move guys outside of the box. Um, And uh, I felt like that was one of the ways you could have done it. Um, So yeah, unfortunately the one time that we did it, we ended up fumbling the ball and you got to understand that again comes down to Quincy Patterson. Hasn't been taking these reps. Quincy Patterson may have repped a jet sweep play like that five times all year up until our bye week last week. And then you're cramming, trying to get him to learn everything the team has been learning since spring ball. Um, and he's taken all his reps. So 
people need people need to account for that. That 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 kind of stuff definitely definitely matters. Um, another another nugget for you here. Um, so the defense obviously. Uh, this could have been a very different game if they end up scoring here. Notre Dame gets the ball in the on the one or two yard line. Rayshard Ashby, Rook Ashby comes up, knocks the ball out. Divine Diablo, ninety nine yards the other way. Pandemonium. People are going nuts. It's awesome. I'm I'm jumping around. Powerade goes all over my shirt. It's cold. It immediately warms me up. But that was the actually they had the defense had more yards of offense than the offense had. Uh, that we had around under sixty yards of offense at halftime. Um, and that honestly is what kind of catapulted us into halftime um, and helped us out a ton. That included with the Dax Hollifield interception, which any one of us three could have uh, caught, but a huge play nonetheless from Dax and arguably Dax Hollifield's best game of his career. Um, talk to me about the defense, Grayson. Um, the defense was incredible. Uh, a, a, a foster staple game all the way through. Talk, talk, well, almost all the way through, but talk to me about that. Oh. I mean, I was about to say, uh, speak for yourself again. Like, I mean, they, they I got to say this. I got to say this. The defense really played lights out yesterday. They, they were all over the field. They swarmed. They swarmed like a hornet's nest. They swarmed like I have not seen. I have not seen them swarm in a very long time. It's like one man would get. <clears throat> to whoever had the ball and then a flock of Hokies just come in from out of nowhere and blow up the play. And it, it was a thing of beauty. It made me so happy to see that. Uh, the, like the Dax Hollifields and, and the Rayshard Ashby's, they were very quick on East to West. Now, granted there was that one play where, where Ashby did kind of get run over, but he took it like a champ. It's like, he's not there they score a touchdown on that play. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive backs, oh my gosh, guys. Like, they they played lights out uh, for the most part. Uh, Bill, what what's uh, the, the receiver on Notre Dame, number 83? I don't care. Claypool, That's, the guy's unbelievable. He's one of the best in the country. Yeah, no, the kid's going to be a, amazing in the NFL one day. That kid just kept mossing us, but in open space. In open space, like for the most part, when it was close and, and in close coverage, our defensive backs played well. And I gotta give a big shout out to Armani Chapman because I said this as soon as Waller went out with a targeting call, I was like, "You watch, Chapman's gonna come in, and Book is gonna go right down the field and try and pick on him." Lo and behold, Chapman picks him off and. Oh, it's really convenient right now that uh, Virginia Tech just roughed the passer. No interception. Yeah, okay. All right. How how much did they pay you to do that? How much is Brian Kelly putting in your pockets, Mr. Official? Whatever. So shout out to Armani Chapman for coming in and stepping up. And it was like it was kind of a oh you thought moment. Oh you thought that with Waller going down that the kid behind him wasn't going to be able to hack it? Oh, no. No, he rose to the occasion. So shout out to Armani Chapman. I thought that the defense played great yesterday until, as, pain, as much as this pains me to say it, until it counted the most. And uh, I, can't, I can't really hold that against them. I, my, my main complaint 
was at the end. It's like we had two timeouts. You can't take them with us. Why, Coach Foster? I love you. Why not take a timeout, Pat? Pat, why, why, why don't you think Coach Foster didn't take a timeout before? Before you feel that, I do just want to weigh in on that last drive, um, Pat. We were talking to each other the entire time about how well the three man front was playing. The three man front was incredible. Hewitt played amazing again. Um, and you could tell at the at tail end of this 18-play drive, them boys were gassed. They were exhausted. And you weren't getting pushed. You weren't getting pressure. Um, and you did have those two timeouts. Pat, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there, bud. Yeah, they were absolutely gassed. Um, you mentioned Hewitt. Garbutt was also outstanding coming off the edge, um, putting a pressure on in, in three-man fronts. I have no idea why we didn't call a timeout. I have no idea why we didn't bring more heat on book either. Um, we knew that what they were going to do, we weren't we weren't going to see the field again. Like it was like we need to stop them. We need to either have the clock run out, or we're going to stop them, and that's it. And it didn't happen. I don't know why Bud didn't call a timeout. <clears throat> I don't know why that wasn't on his radar. But these guys were gassed. And they definitely could have used a blow there. 18 plays, 87 yards. And, and in all seriousness, I mean, if you look at it from like a, non, a non-fan perspective, it was one of the more impressive drives I've ever seen an offense go on. Um, multiple fourth down conversions, multiple third and longs, um, multiple incredible, uh, incredible plays. The catch by Claypool. And what's, what's funny is the first play of that drive, Chase Claypool is running a drag over or a slant over the middle of the field and just drops a ball that he that is a routine catch. Um, probably would have got his head taken off by Khalil Adler, but he drops the ball um, and then goes on to to kill us the rest of the drive. Um, he has that play where he leaps off of uh, I believe his he leaped off his left foot. He's coming down you're like up. Oh, he's going to go out of bounds, but he does the uh, Claypool toe tap uh, on the sideline, which one of the Cirque best. Cirque du Soleil. Guys. It was the Cirque du Soleil award for, uh, goes to the uh, to the bad guys. Uh, makes an incredible play. Um, and Pat, we said it pregame. The Claypool was going to be a serious issue. We actually did a decent job uh, holding it down most of the game, but um, the guy killed us down the uh, down the stretch. And guys, talk to about how ballsy this uh, this this Ian Book quarterback draw was i mean it seems like that's the kind of play that always gets us it seems like when we play duke or when we play north carolina mm-hmm. every time you think okay we got him locked down there's a short field here just just find a way to knock the ball down and get him in fourth down um the guy takes off there's no spy and we lose contain what was kind of your feeling when that happened pat that reminded me of the two-point conversion against miami when i forget the guy's name they're running back Direct, he took the direct snap and he went to his right and uh, we we had coverage but um, we kind of got juked out overcommitted to the inside and he went to the outside. Same thing happened this time. Uh, I think number eighty eight on Notre Dame threw an awesome block. Yes, and uh, cut off the angle, but Diablo bit as well and he wasn't able to um, to pursue it and beat him to the corner and that was all she wrote. Uh, Book was just fantastic on that drive you wonder what was going on the rest of the game um you know they weren't they really weren't clicking that you know we were shutting him down the entire game and shades of um shades of like the boise state game um just 
can't can't contain the quarterback and we end up getting beat and burned. What do you think, Grayson? Well, Pat, before we started recording today, it was it was funny uh, for everyone who's listening. He was like, man, like, guys, that, that made me think of the Boise State game, like how that ended, and I could not agree more. In that Boise State game, all we had to do was kill the clock and get a first down, keep getting first downs, and we couldn't get a first down. And as a result, they had plenty of time uh, Friggin' donkey teeth throws a touchdown to Austin Pettis, Kellen Moore, good old donkey teeth, in the nick of time. And it's just in the nick of time where we had no time to march down the field and kick a field goal. Exact same thing happened yesterday. We can't get a first down. We're playing not to lose. And lo and behold, I was like, they're going to march down. Maybe, maybe we'll stop them. That draw, I called it. I called it. I called it. I called it. I said it probably 300 times before it happened. I said, right here, they're going to run it, and it's going to be Book. He's going to take off to either the right or the left, and he's going to walk into the end zone. And dad freaking gummit, that is exactly what happened. And I'm like, hands in my face, just... Here we go again on my own. Like, <laughs> look, walking down the only road I ever know. Like, just that. Fact. I, I, that's, I've been down that road so many times. So many times. And I was just like, so devastated. So devastated. I like, I I, I, I want to say I couldn't believe it, but that's not true. That's not true because I could believe it. I, I was just sheer devastation, but also like, wow, I saw that coming. So it's like at that point, all you can do is just swallow your pride, crawl back into bed, <laughs> go to sleep. But, oh, no, even there I can't escape it because in my dreams I'm like, we won. And then when I woke up, I was like, we didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> awful, guys. Another, a thing that uh, before we get into the special teams, since we're going in chronological order here, I want to get y'all's – because I have a take about, about the annexation of Puerto Rico uh, kickoff return. I want to know what y'all thought about it as it's happening and after you saw the result. So, Pat, what, what were you thinking? I mean, this is post you decimating your cap on the stadium bleachers and burying your face into your palms. Um, <laughs> and I didn't even know if you were going to stand up and watch it. But you did. You watched it. What would you think? You run in a play like that, and there is a lot of risk. Obviously, like it's a trick play, and you're trying to fake them out one way or the other. The way I see it, you're catching it on the 10-yard line. It's not like you're getting it on the 15 or the 20. You only need you only need three points. You don't need a touchdown. The way I would run it is that you call the fair catch, you get the ball at the 25, you run two quick plays and try to pick up two chunks of yards. You had two timeouts. Get to the 50, and then, uh, you know, maybe with 10, 15 seconds left, you get out to, like, the 30 and rely on Brian Johnson to kick a game winner. Like, I I know that it's a great opportunity to do a trick play like that, but 
<laughs> I, I was freaking out. I've never seen that live uh, with my own two eyes. I guess it was kind of cool that we were trying something a little mysterious. But Caleb Farley also was hurt and limped off the field two plays prior on defense. And he was the guy with the ball on his hands. And you're, you're wondering what's going on with that. You would think like, okay, maybe he will hand it off to someone to try to freak them out. That doesn't happen. And then he gets, I saw on Twitter, he gets finger tackled because it literally looked like someone like barely swiped at his knee and then he fell and we get the ball at like the 13 and then <laughs> this game is over. So it's, it was just pretty disappointing. But I, I, I like that if we need a touchdown. I don't like it if we need a field goal. Honestly, it's it's it was gutsy. I I, I feel like you were I, checked out. At, at that point, I I had accepted defeat. At mm-hmm. that at at that point, I had accepted defeat. I was like, oh man, this this is something I've never seen before. Pat, you remember in the Kansas game in 07? Uh, oh, in, the in, reverse. In, the reverse. You remember? It was awesome. The, yeah. That worked. That worked. It's like maybe, you know, try and try and do something like that. But <laughs> those guys were having what we called a meeting of the minds. <laughs> like everybody, everybody's getting together, you know. All right, guys, let's talk business. We got all freaking day out here. And, <laughs> and then the, the one who I believe Farley had the ball to begin with, if I'm not mistaken, and he yeah. was the one who came out of the pile with it. And it's like. What was the point of that? You just burned six seconds. Like, we need that time. So, but at, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I'm going to be completely honest here. At that point, I was like, I don't care that we have two timeouts. I do not trust Quincy Patterson to to throw some Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary to get us in the field goal range. Uh, the, the way he had been throwing the ball all day, I was like, You've given me no reason to think that. So, at that point, I had accepted defeat. Um, and and I had I had essentially accepted uh, defeat at that time. I wasn't, uh, but the freaking out about us running the annexation of Puerto Rico, like a bunch of people were on, on Twitter. I mean, look, that's the point. Like, like at the end of the day, we don't really have any reason to believe that we're going to get the ball down the field and matriculate it down and get us even in, in, in range to attempt a Hail Mary or anything. You know Quincy Patterson can throw the hell out of the ball. Um, uh, Deep-wise, that is. Um, so why not try something you know different there? Now, as far as who's running it, you got Caleb Farley running it, who just limped off the field, and you have him running laterally instead of you know forwardly. That's uh, that's unfortunate there. <laughs> um, so that was uh, that was definitely a question mark for me. Um, but other than that, Pat Gray, I gotta say, the special teams yesterday were awesome. JPR. Steps JPR. in there. JPR. JPR. JPR, baby. Steps <laughs> in there guy. for Oscar Turn Badburn. Me up. Um, and was incredible. JPR was kicking the hell out of the ball. He was doing his prance. They had a great shot of it on NBC at the beginning of the game with uh, with the dropkick Murphys. It was it was picturesque. Pat, talk to me about JPR. He's, he's awesome. He really stepped up and filled into that role nicely. I was getting nervous when I heard that Bradburn was out. Because that's that's our Ray Guy Award winner right there. I mean, Bradburn's the best punter we've had in... I don't know if we've ever had a better punter than Oscar Bradburn. Um, 
JPR rolls back there. I think he had one punt that he might have shanked a little bit. It wasn't great. Other than that, he was great. He he was uh, the when we needed him most after we got sacked and we're giving the ball back to them. Uh, you know, with uh, like three minutes left, he put it in the corner and had it down to the thirteen or punted out of bounds at the thirteen. And that's all we could have asked for, and he he delivered. And he's a great uh, personality on the field. He likes firing up the crowd. He's good on social media and Twitter too. Like <laughs> you love seeing a guy like that step up uh, when we need it most. So you know, major kudos to JPR. Another another shout out on special teams, Terius Wheatley. A lot of people are freaking out. The kickoff yes, goes, the ball's on the side of the uh, line, and, and I, you know, Coach Shebist is preaching it all day. If the ball's on the sideline, grab it with your feet out of bounds, baby. And he does it, and he grabs the <laughs> ball, and penalty is thrown, and the Notre Dame people are like, excuse me, this is not how American football is played. And I'm like, excuse me, yes, it is. The, they are an extension of the sideline. And they're like, well, this is news to me. I didn't see that in Article 42. So they move <laughs> the ball. They move the ball. Amen. Amen. Move the Father, ball. Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> they move the ball up to the forty. They move the ball up to the forty-five. He was awesome. Brian Johnson. I mean, in a in a windy stadium, knocking him through. Huge field goal. Huge field Big goal. Uh, Forty-four he was, yards. He was great in the wind. Um, but I have to say, one thing I was frustrated with, and that could have made a difference in the game, was. Notre Dame's field goal operations unit screwed up every time, not just on the last time. It was a low snap. It was a delayed, uh, a delayed uh, mechanics. On their punts, they, they fumbled the ball around wow. a little bit. If their we had punter rest- had the yips. Oh, their punter had the yips, and, and that was ultra frustrating. The safety call, look, we're not going to get into a big safety official thing. Look, the officiating was unfortunate in some really key instances um, the safety thing. I'm not going to pretend to know the momentum. The momentum uh, deal with the, with the safety thing. Um, yeah, it would have been great if they called the safety because we want to win the damn football game. But he's sugarcoating it, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. The officiating sucked. <laughs> okay, it was go ahead. Grayson. Awful. All right, Grayson. It go was ahead. awful. The officiating was awful. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that. Oh, it, it made a difference in the outcome of the game. Okay. Uh, keep in mind that one drive where we kept getting screwed over and over and over and over again. Notre they Dame scored score. no points. They they did not score on that drive. So, in in that drive didn't make a difference in the game. But the officiating was terrible. Some of the worst I've seen in recent years. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that the can you pay indulgences? Uh, to a referee. I know uh, uh, in Catholicism you can pay it to a priest, but I don't know. Maybe you can pay it to a, a referee as well. I don't know. I'm not sure. Somebody somebody answer that question for me. I mean, they were bad. It was <laughs> plain and simple. They were not good. They weren't good either. They weren't good for both teams, but, I mean, particularly us. Like, we got shafted. Uh, <laughs> the safety, no idea what that, what that was. The phantom hold in the end zone on Farley that Chris Fink just tripped over his shoelaces. Nada. The Phantom roughing the passer. That was an unbelievable catch by Chapman. That was so awesome. Nothing. Uh, A couple holds here and there. They were holding us all day, boy. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 
<laughs> they were terrible. They were terrible. You don't want to get up here and, and talk about how the refs lost the game for you. You know, the teams um, both played hard, but uh, I, I, they, the refs did not help us in any way, shape, or form, and we'll leave it at that. I think that's fair. To sum up the game as a whole, to kind of tie that up, um, as far as Quincy Patterson's start goes, the kid's a young buck. The kid did not look scared. The kid looks like he has a lot to learn from the quarterback position and a playbook situa- uh, situation. The, start, the, the facts are your starting right tackle got hurt during the game. You did not have your other running back, Keyshawn King, who's explosive and awesome. Um, and it was 30-mile-per-hour wind, wind gusts. Um, so I think, I think that's something we definitely have to understand. And also, look, uh, Quincy Patterson trots out there, and a lot of people, I'm sure, are going, oh, well, he's there. Well, And I think we kind of romanticized and, um, and put a lot of stock into this UNC game because he is the one that went out and won that game, finished the game. But you have to understand, again, six attempts in his entire college football career. This guy has a lot of learning to do, a lot of developing to do. So understand, we have a 3-0 and quarterback in Hendon Hooker that more than likely and hopefully is going to be playing next week. As we, uh, as we kind of wind down on this, on this game recap, we actually have a new segment here um, that we've been looking to add here. Pat is the oldest of the group, and Pat is occasionally, when flustered, the get-off-of-my-lawn man. So we decided to introduce the new Pat's Rant of the Week. And Pat feels very passionately about this. So, Pat, I'm going to turn my microphone off and let you just, you know, do your thing. So go on ahead. Thank you, sir. I was perusing the interwebs early morning Sunday in reference to what did this, what did this loss feel like? What can we compare it to? And I know we touched on the Boise State game earlier, and you know I, w- I would definitely put that in the same ballpark, the same frame of reference and realm of conversation. I saw people comparing this to the Boston College 2007 game. You have got to be out of your mind if you think this has any comparison to that Thursday, October 26th of 2007. Goodness gracious. There was so much more on the line. Let's 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 zoom out here. Let's take a step back, okay? October 2007, Matt Ryan is a top 3 Heisman candidate. He's bringing the number 2 Boston College Eagles into town. They're unbeaten, they're undefeated. They're like 7 or 8 and 0. We are 6 and 1 or 7 and 1. We're ranked number 8. This is a top 10 matchup, classic ACC Thursday night football. Pouring rain, sheets, raining cats and dogs, cavaliers and seminoles are falling from the sky. And we battle and battle and battle. We're up 10 nothing. 2 minutes left. Matt Ryan takes them down the field one time. Uh their kicker, Steve Aponavicious, I think his name was uh, has an onside kick, goes through Josh Morgan's hands. They recover. Matt Ryan does his thing, rolls to his left, throws across his body, finds calendar in the end zone over uh, Xavier DB. Jeff uh, Jagazinski does the stupidest dance I've ever seen in my entire life. Matt Ryan is thrown up on the sideline. Hokies lose 14 10, 11 seconds left. That's a little different than what we saw today. Okay, that, that game. If we win that game, we are in the national championship. 
we finished number one in the Harris poll, which is the computer polls. I think we finished number three in the BCS that year. Uh, but we would have been 11 and one before beating Boston College again. 12 and one probably would have been in the national championship and had a rematch with LSU. That's all speculation. Uh, but to compare that to the Notre Dame game yesterday, come on. Third string quarterback, freshman, playing his first ever road game against a team that we are we are 17.5 point underdogs against arguably the most storied college football team in history they're a ranked team and we battle and battle and battle and yeah should we have won the game absolutely and does it sting it absolutely stings it, it was heartbreaking it was absolutely heartbreaking even the level of heartbreak doesn't compare to that Boston College game. The level of heartbreak, the magnitude of how important this game was, and the irony also, I think uh, I think Tariko and Craig James, it, I think it was Tariko, Craig James, and Flutie, Doug Flutie, and uh, Mike Tariko and Doug Flutie were on the call yesterday. I actually think it was Chris Fowler, not Mike Tariko. That's beside the point. To be able to compare those two games is crazy, and you need to zoom out and evaluate really what this is because uh, we are not ranked number eight in the country. Notre Dame was not number two, and it was not at home in the pouring rain against a Heisman contender. Um, if you really want to frame this up, you can frame it right next to the Boise State game from 2010, and you could frame it up right next to the East Carolina game 2008. Very similar situations. We have a late lead, and we play not to lose instead of play to win. One, two, three more first downs, and we put the game away. We can take a knee. But uh, that was not the case yesterday because we were very conservative at the end. All, all those games are heartbreakers, but I just want to say, do not compare yesterday to the Boston College game in 2007. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I couldn't agree more, man. I, I really couldn't. I, I watched that entire Boston College game. I was in the sixth grade, and I uh, watched it on TV. It was before my dad would let any of my brothers and I come with him. And uh, I cried that night. I cried myself to sleep. Like, I'm, I, I'm unashamed to say that. Like, that game was it, – it's like somebody reached – Literally, like Indiana Jones reached into your chest and ripped your heart out and then took a bite out of your heart in front of your face right before you die. Um, it's a graphic. I, like, it's graphic. Like, like, like that, that, that Boston College loss is number one and forever shall be number one by le- leaps and bounds. And granted, this, this loss did just hop into my top 10 hokey losses of all most heartbreaking course, hokey losses right oh oh it's right oh it just jumps right in there maybe up to five or six um and it it it, it, it hurts <laughs> it doesn't hurt Matt Ryan 07 Boston College ranks second and BT's ranked number eighth we may go to a national championship bad no way. There's one more narr- There's one more fan narrative that I'm going to want to hit on here um, that's been all over the interwebs. But before that, we're going to do our awards. For Pride, our defensive award, I'm giving it to Jared Hewitt. Um, Got to say, the defensive tackles, the defensive front was awesome all game. This is a unit that is very, very small uh, where there's not a lot of depth there. 
you're undersized. You're going against an independent school, but essentially that's a Big Ten offensive line. Those are some big boys. Uh, they grew up eating corn out of the cornfields. Um, you know, there's some <laughs> there's some big boys, and they they really held it down. We weren't able to get a sack, um, but held Notre Dame um, to 2.8 yards per rush, uh, which is extremely extremely great output from. Uh, an undersized and undermanned group. So Jared Hewitt wins my pride award. Pat, who do you have? Love that. Awesome game by Hewitt. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Hewitt. I know it's your birthday today. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to Caleb Farley. I think he's the best DB or the best cornerback in the ACC. He did a great job on Claypool yesterday, who is a top-10 pick. Uh, but I'm going to give mine uh, – I'm going to echo you, Bill, defensive line – Taiwan Garbutt was freaking outstanding yesterday, uh, especially in the first half, but also in the second half, uh, just applying pressure, uh, whether it was being able to force Book out of the pocket or um, you know, force him to throw early on uh, in the play. I thought he was very effective and uh, want to give him a shout out for the Pride Award. As far as my Pride Award is concerned, Honestly, guys, yeah, you, you know you know how I feel about Hollowfield. Kid's a dog. I'm the biggest Dax Hollowfield fan there is. But I, I've been giving it to Ashby every <laughs> dadgum week here, it feels like. But really, though, Dax Hollowfield, I think, had one of the best games of his defensive career yesterday. Was very quick off the ball, going east and west. Had an interception, which was huge uh absolutely uh saved them from saved uh us from having notre dame score another touchdown um which ended up not mattering anyway because we lost but i digress um dak still played great it was all over the field was in on a, a bunch of different piles and uh kid's a dog kid's a dog he's got he's got the He's got the bleach blonde lettuce flowing out of the helmet. UVA fans hate him. I love it, man. Dax, keep doing your thing. Joy Award. Uh, we are all in agreement here. We decided to go with the kicker guys, Brian Johnston, uh, JPR, JPR Radio. You were unbelievable this week. Um, great job. There's no reason that we should hand out an offensive award. 240 yards of total offense, 13 points essentially uh, if you're counting field goals. 31% completion percentage. And this is not me poo-pooing on the kids. This is not me poo-pooing on anything. It just comes down to that was the output of the offense. I feel like the defense played well enough to win the game. And um, I'm not really for giving an award out. I didn't like, uh, I didn't love uh, what we did on offense, and I just don't think that it's uh, reward-worthy. Fellas, do you have uh, any problems, qualms, or quandaries on that? Nope. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I mean, Divine Diablo had – more yards than most of the uh, guys on the offense. With Divine that Diablo? Return. Divine Diablo, Pat? <laughs> give it to Diablo. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do want to give a quick honorable mention shout-out to Hazleton, who was awesome. Hazleton was awesome, and Hazleton has been great uh, the last few weeks. He's really come on, so um, that's been encouraging. So the next uh, kind of narrative here that I want to – either confirm or take apart is something that I know Grayson has been excited to talk about. Um, and I know Pat and I are excited to talk about as well. Moral victories at the end of the game, the final whistle blows, you step back and you say, what just happened? And the answer is either we lost a football game 
we learned this, we learned that, um, and most fans fall on one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle on the last end of that row. So, Grayson, which end of that aisle do you fall on? Before I get into this, you know, Pat had his rant, and now it's my turn. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm about to have mine. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say that this, is, this may not be the perspective that many of you will enjoy, but some of you need to hear it. And uh, bottom line is, yesterday we lost a football game. There is no moral victory. There is none. Okay? I, I get it. I get it. The team played hard. That's great. I think that's great. We lost the football game. When you look in the record books, it's going to say Notre Dame won 21-20. Virginia Tech lost the football game. And for anybody, for anybody out there saying that this game doesn't matter, because it's not a conference game. It matters. I don't think you understand how big it would have been for our program yesterday to have won that football game against the number 16 ranked Notre, Notre Dame football team. We would have gotten out of the laughing stock graces of ESPN finally for this season. It would have been a huge look for recruiting. It would have been an awesome bounce back story. Now, let me, let me say, before anybody comes at me, I get it. We had a 6.9% chance to win that game. I mean, that's, that's not a big chance. And you're like, oh, Grayson, nice. you're, you're, usually, haha, you're, usually the, uh, you're usually the pessimist. Why do you care? You're, you're probably like, oh, man, we were going to get boat raced by them to begin with. No, I said last week on the podcast, yellow light. I think we got a shot. That's how I feel about every game. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Furman or Alabama. We could play Bama, and I still expect my Hokies to show up and play and play to win the football game. And so when everyone's like, oh, I mean, the guys played hard. Okay, okay, that's, that's, that's great. We lost. We lost, and we should have won. We should have won the football game yesterday. I don't care about the 6.9%. I don't care. We played to win that game until about the last seven minutes. And this is a recurring... I've seen this movie with Virginia Tech football more times than I can count on my fingers. It is the name of the Virginia Tech football game in the big stage when you're on top and you choke. C-H-O-K-I-E-S, Hokies. We choked yesterday. We had it in the bag, and it's not okay. It's not okay. If, if you want to have a championship team with championship dreams, you cannot settle for mediocrity, and you can't say, oh, the guys played hard. Screw that. We should have won yesterday, and that would have been a huge step in the right direction, and I will hear no other arguments. I agree with a lot of your points. But again, there needs to be some zooming out here. If you were to if you were to tell me as I was walking out of that Duke game that we would even be in a position that we took a lead at any point in the Notre Dame game, I would have told you you were crazy. 
I am a hundred percent in agreement that this was that this would have been monumental. That recruits would have absolutely foamed at the mouth over this victory. That ESPN would have started pumping our tires a little bit more. The comeback story, whatever. I think I think those are all extremely extremely valid points. But it's not like we are undefeated. It's not like this was a battle of undefeateds. It's not like this game has a huge effect on what's important now, the 2019 season. The 2019 season is not affected by that game. And I, I know there's, there's different thoughts between short-term and long-term goals here. Expectations for this program at this point should be winning the Coastal Division and competing... And beating Clemson, you know, in the ACC championship game once every five years. That is that is what can be realistic at this point. It completely stings losing yesterday. And I, I think the moral victories thing, it's it's a coach speak thing that we keep hearing. The guys played hard. But I think I think the moral victories thing also is like, let's how can we cover up our our poor play calling at some points in the game. Cause I, I, I have a really hard time putting this on the players. Um, so, you know, I, I, I know which way you lean. I'm kind of in the middle here, but I'm so focused on this week Forest game. I'm so focused on the coastal. I know this game would have been so big, but if you would have told me you can win the Notre Dame game or you could win the Wake Forest game, I would have told you I want to win the Wake Forest game. Oh, I don't I don't disagree with you, Pat. I don't disagree. I, I would choose to win against Wake Forest as well. But but if we could have beaten both, you can't sit here and tell me that you wouldn't have taken that either. I think that I think that you got I, there's one thing that Pat mentioned on the car ride home that I, I think is what you're both trying to say because look at the end of the day there have been some takes from fans saying I wish we had I wish they had scored on the goal line or or I wish this had happened or whatever um, and to be honest Pat you said these guys are all getting reps and and minutes and and time where you're experiencing um, you know being in a tight ball game on the road against a top twenty team and that's all great and can't be discounted but. It seems like the, there's, a, there's a section of the fan base that is almost happy to be there or happy to be competing or even in a close game with that. And, and Pat, you just said, honestly, I'm sick of like us being discounted. I'm sick of us underrating what this football program is. I'm sick of people having such low expectations and getting excited about things that are not what this standard should be. Can you talk to that? Yeah, to that point, you got to give these guys more credit. Like, the fact that the line on this game was 17 and a half, even to begin with, watching the way we've played the last three weeks, I was very surprised at that line coming, surprised at that line coming out. We have a very talented football team, an extremely talented football team. I think if, if Hooker's out there, it is a completely different game we we could win by maybe seven or ten points if hooker played the entire game 
But obviously, I think resting him for ACC play, which is more important, one could make the argument that is more important than a Notre Dame game on the road in very uh, tough weather conditions, is the smart play there. These guys are experiencing down-to-the-wire games. Carolina, uh, Miami, Notre Dame. Those are three games that a young team is going to learn and grow and develop so much from. It's not that losing is better. Obviously, you want to win. You play to win the football game. But looking back on the 2019 year could be a turning point for the next few years of uh, you know, these young guys here and this football program uh, in general. But I completely understand both sides of the argument. Yeah, but I, you, you got to give these guys more credit. They're, they are they are so talented, and our expectations should be high. I, I but see that's the thing though is I do give them credit. I give them plenty of credit. It's like they're talented enough to hang with Notre Dame, so hang with them and beat them. You had them yesterday. Finish it, and it's not it's not the it's not as much the players as it is like the like the coaches. Like, bro, you're you're you're, you're you have this thing in the bag. This could be a huge thing. It's like Hokie Nation so, you know, shows up in droves to see you play at Notre Dame. Did we think we were going to win? No, but that doesn't matter. It's like that, that could have been a marquee win. And it's like that could take us into the freaking stratosphere. It's like, Oh, you gotta give them more credit. Oh, you you know, you gotta you gotta but give them more not time. Saying, it's we're like, not bro, say, we're not saying us bro, give them more credit though. What we're saying is our fans need to expect more and not just be happy to be there. Not just be happy to be in the ACC championship and say, well, we were going to lose anyway, so I'm glad that we lost. Or, well, we went to Notre Dame, but we tried really hard, so this is essentially all you can really ask for. We should 100%. be happy. No, we that's, should like that's what exactly that's what I'm saying. It's that mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, mm-hmm. bro, no. We don't we don't want that. That 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 is weak going through life with that mentality is weak. Mm-hmm. It's like you should show up in every aspect of your life wanting to win and win definitively. And like that, and that being said, that's how the coaches think. That's how the players think. There's no reason that the fan base should should lower their expectations for fans need to have a different expectation for what Virginia Tech football is. Is that was what I think yes. is what I'm getting at. We got a coastal division to win. It's 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 go time now. All right, you're gonna lose to Notre Dame. Don't disappoint going forward. All right. That brings us to our letters from the lunch pail segment. Pat, can you speak to the uh as BDRs would say, the the lead flow of letters from the lunch pail guys thank you for all the questions we've been getting a ton of letters i feel like it's christmas time and we're getting christmas cards from the lunch pail there's just they're flooding in like crazy um so we that being said we cannot answer every single letter from the lunch pail we want to um and we will get to your questions eventually so keep filling us in uh, with some awesome questions but uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll address some good ones here that we liked that we wanted to pick out. First question from the lunch pail is from Thankful Hokey Dan. Why didn't Fuente step in to tell Cornelson, "quote Hey, we are going to go down and win this game"? 
when he had the ball with seven left. He also asked, why didn't Coach Fuente tell Bud to stop running prevent? Um, I understand the frustration um, with the conservative approach um, on that last drive, but that's that's just not how coaching works. Like Coach Fuente is not going to Coach Foster and telling him how to defense. Just like if even Nick Saban had Coach Foster as his coach, he's not telling Coach Foster how to defense. It's not how it works. Now. Do Coach Cornelson and Coach Fuente probably speak about what's going on and and they're you know picking each other's minds probably, but at the end of the day again you're rolling with a quarterback that doesn't have a ton of uh, experience in this situation and you're trying to kill the clock so um, that, that's that's how that went. Uh, Pat, what are you thinking? <laughs> that's not how it works. Um... I really wish he did step in to tell Cornelson, hey, let's go win this game. I don't know what uh, the play calling was as far as, like, let's give it to McLeese a couple times. Let's run a QB draw. Um, let's not really try to win this game. Let's just try to kill a little bit of clock and pin them deep. You know, the objective is to score more points in Notre Dame, and I don't really think that was their that was their goal there. You know, just as we've said nine times on this thing already, Boise State, ECU, same thing. Playing not to lose, and we've seen it before. If that was Dabo Swinney, he would be saying, how many points can we score in seven minutes? Can we can we score and then get the ball back and score again? Um, so, I mean, it was pretty disappointing. I think that uh, you guys really have both hit the nail on the head. It, I mean, I, I can just reiterate this all day, but we were playing not to lose and that uh, that's disheartening. And it seems to be uh, a recurring pattern and going forward with these, with these upcoming ACC games, hopefully we can learn. Uh, well, I say we, hopefully the coaching staff can learn a lesson uh, play to win the football game. That's all I got to say. Play until there are three zeros on that clock and you are the winning team. Grant Watson, Dankest Hokey, great name, and PG ask, should we have been more aggressive blitzing book on the game-winning drive? Um, you guys have seen a lot more of these kind of games than I have. Um, I'm just going to say I'm not in the boat of trying to tell Coach F uh, Foster how to defense again. You're running a 30 defense. Uh, they did blitz four a couple times. I did watch them bring five on a running play. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you're dealing with a secondary that's been you know just decimated throughout the course of the game and throughout the course of the year. So uh, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say that. Um, but I mean, that's not that's all I really have to say about it. I mean, Coach Foster has you know been one of the best defensive coordinators forever um, and has really limited personnel. So. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell him how to do his job. Um, yeah, here's what I think. 2014 Ohio State, it was, a, it was a very similar situation. We were up one touchdown, and we blitzed the hell out of JT Barrett. Uh, Kendall Fuller had a sack. I think Deion, Newsom had a, uh, Deion Clark had a sack. We might have sacked JT Barrett two or three times on that last drive of the game, and then Kendall Fuller gets hurt. And then Dion Newsom is re his replacement, 
sorry, not Deion Newsom. Donovan Riley is his replacement, and Donovan Riley ends up having the pick six cap for the night. So, you know, Farley is out, uh, or no, Farley wasn't out. Um, Jermaine Waller is out, which means uh, Quillen backfilled him. And I don't know if Bud didn't have as much faith of leaving those guys on an island or not, but um, I mean, it just hurt. It hurt. What hurts the most from yesterday is like we are so much more effective when we blitz, and Ian Book didn't get sacked once yesterday. So I I, I do think we should have been more aggressive blitzing um, towards the end of the game, even like a. Uh, Waller or Chamari uh, Connor or anyone, uh, a corner blitz coming off the edge have been very effective this year. So I, I think he should have been more effective, more aggressive. In in terms of that last drive, man, if you're going to give them all that time, you better bring the bad gum house down. Like send them all, send them all some gladiator crap on my signal. Unleash hell. Bring it. Like, Put the pressure on Book. The fact that we didn't sack him yesterday is a problem. I and mean, like, if, if you can get back there to him by bringing one or two more guys, then do it. Let that clock run. They're out of timeouts. And so we're out here giving that man all day to throw it to number eighty-three. I don't even care what his name is. You know, like, like we 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 gave that man so much time. You give him time. That's when. That is when our defense is at its most vulnerable, when it's on its heels and that clock is running but not in their favor. So I I don't know why we didn't bring more. Again, I'm not a defensive coordinator. You'd have to ask Bud Foster, but at the same time, it's like, Coach Bud, you got two timeouts. Call one of them and make some adjustments. I, I really don't know what happened there. In that, in those final minutes of the game, it's very, uh, very disheartening uh, because that's uh, that, that that happened to be the drive that that cost us the game. So it would have been nice to have really gone after Book there. Brent Bowen asks: Given QP's lack of passing success in the first half, should the coaches have given Ryan Willis a try in the second to try to open up? the defense some Pat um, in the second half, we looked at each other and said, is there a chance that we see some Ryan Willis today? Um, I'm not sure that's the right play. You know, you have Hendon hooker coming back next week Uh, at a certain standpoint. Again, even though we lost the game reps like these for Quincy Patterson in game reps are going to be beneficial down the line. Um, I don't like the idea of over a three week period, you have played three quarterbacks in, in football games. Um, I think if, you know, Patterson definitely had taken the majority of the reps, Willis has probably seen his reps, uh, decrease significantly in the last two weeks. Um, so I didn't really think that was going to happen. I definitely kind of thought if it did happen, you know, I'm not going to be blown away. Pat, what did you think? Um, honestly, no, I didn't want to see Willis go back in. I wanted to see a gimpy hooker, if anything, but I really wanted to see Quincy, uh, the coaches stand by Quincy as the guy. I mean, he's the one that they went with. And, you know, just like you said, I think, uh, going with, uh, Quincy, getting him those reps, 
uh, in front of his in front of his family and friends from Chicago is going to be uh, very effective. And I think it was the right move leaving him in. Um, I, I think leaving Quincy in was smart in terms of, of, of the fact that we didn't obviously want to get Hendon Hooker any more dinged up than he already is. Uh, in terms of bringing in Ryan Willis, ever since he kind of did that thing against UNC where he threw the ball behind his back uh, as he was getting taken to the ground, do you want him in there against Notre Dame's defensive line making just kind of – how do I delicately put this not smart plays like that? Uh, probably not, and that's – no disrespect to Ryan, but I'm I'm serious. Like I don't I don't think you want that. I, I don't think that helps you any. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say no. Uh, even even though Willis, I know can make a nice corner fade every now and again. I think playing Quincy and and keeping Quincy as the guy was the right move on the coaching staff's behalf. Have to say also, I mean, big big respect to Quincy for um, protecting the football. Um, he had technically in the books, he had two turnovers, but one of those were down the line, um, on the Hail Mary pass, uh, towards the end of the game. So Quincy did do a great job protecting the football and making sound decisions. So, um, he did do a good job of that, which is rare of a quarterback making their first appearance. Grady Baker in true, uh, smart bleep fashion asks, will the podcast last less than the time it took you guys to fly home. Um, we've been trying really hard. <laughs> nice. We've been trying really hard um, to oh get gosh. this as a uh, – as a. Uh, we don't want to be short and to the point because there's a lot to talk about and we don't want to short you guys. But we also understand you guys have stuff to do. I got BDR to do. I, you know, Grayson's got, you know, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Harry stuff to do. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So we understand you guys got to work it into your daily schedule. So, but we're also not going to, uh, we're not going to put out a half bleep product. Um, Pat, what do you got? I think you just summed it up. My flight was two hours. I think this will be less than two hours, but Grady B, I love the questions. And, uh, Pat's rant made it in this week. Honestly, I mean, I I don't think we're anywhere close to two hours right now. But <laughs> I think that's the funniest question we've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, no, I know it's the funniest question that we've gotten. That's hilarious. I Grady, Grady, B, Grady you, you might be Grady, getting free pizza, Grady B. <laughs> Grady, I'm with you, man. I'm like, guys, I got things to do, <laughs> so we're good. Jack Crockett. Asked about our favorite restaurants in Blacksburg and personal bars. Now, we're not discounting the question, but as for football season right now, we got a bunch of Blacksburg-related questions. We're going to bookmark all of these types of questions about our student experience and, and the love of Blacksburg, the town, and save those for when we have a little bit more uh, more time and not so much going on. Maybe work that in uh, once Mike Young gets started. By the way, shout out to the basketball team getting started this week. They have Clemson to open it up. Really excited about that as well. Um, we're going to take a quick break and, uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Hokie fans. Do you like Virginia Tech football? Do you like good seats? Do you like watching us race for the coastal? I know I do. So this coming Saturday, here's the deal. I got two tickets to give away for the Wake Forest game. Section 10, 50 yard line. If you want them, we're going to be giving them away for free at Sons of Sat on Twitter. 
Go give us a follow and give us a listen. Go Hokies. You guys heard it here first. Two tickets again. By the way, shout out to our three pizza winners from last week. They got Benny's Pizza. It was great. They enjoyed it. Well, I think it was great. I mean, it's pizza. It's free pizza. College students, I had no money in college. So if anybody gave me free pizza, I'd be fired up about it. But besides the point, guys, how are we feeling about this Wake Forest game? Grayson, go ahead. Kick us off, man. Yeah, they were uh, they were a yellow light for me, uh, just given their record and the way that they've played this season. It makes me very nervous. They uh, they did nothing short of boat race NC State this past weekend, and it it worries me. Their passing game on offense has been very very strong, and with the current state of our defensive backs being dinged up, it's like okay, will the young guys be able to rise to the occasion and come in and and hang with the Wake Forest wide receivers. It is Bud Foster's kind of big recognition day, so you know the defense is going to be fired up. Uh, Will we see a healthy or or getting close to healthy Hendon Hooker? Probably. That makes me feel very good. Um, So all all of those things considered, I don't want to say that we're going to win in any of the, the games to come for the rest of the season because I'm just not sure. But uh, expect a good one in Blacksburg on Saturday. So Jamie Newman is an awesome quarterback, and he's got a weapon in Sage Surratt, um, who is a very, very talented ACC wide receiver, among one of the best in the league. So that's going to be very challenging. Hopefully Farley's healthy. Uh, Waller is out the first half of the game. So we're going to need Quillen and Chapman to step up. That said, uh, defense is going to show out for Bud. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a very exciting game. And I would like to predict a four-point victory uh, for Tech on Saturday to send Bud off. What do you think? This comes down to three things, okay? It comes down to for Bud, okay? And you guys both mentioned it. The defense is going to come out. They're going to show out. It's going to be awesome. Second thing it comes down to is um, we get Hendon Hooker back. Hendon Hooker's 3-0 as a starter. Hendon Hooker can throw the ball. Hendon Hooker is a dual-threat quarterback. And um, he should be healthy. So I'm fired up about that. The third and final thing this comes down to is our homecoming queen, Beth Barnes, will be in the building. (laughs) My homecoming queen. My homecoming queen. (laughs) Will be in the building, hopefully donning the bud suit. And I like the Hokies to get. You got to win this game. You have to win this game. This is what it's all about. We're the only force in the way from keeping the University of Virginia from going to the Coastal, the ACC championship. That's it. We're the only thing between them and the ACC Coastal championship, the ACC championship. We need to get this done, boys. We're going to get it done. We're going to find a way to win this football game. And then who the heck knows what's going to happen at Pitt. But hopefully we win that football game too. Okay? I predict a victory for the Hokies. I will go with four points as well, Paticus. Fellas, it's been a blast. Uh, We're about to talk some Notre Dame hospitality here. Grayson, do you have any shout-outs here uh, on your end? All I got to say is a uh, shout out to all the Hokies who came out to Joxer Daly's uh, in Culver City on Saturday. That was so much fun. Regardless of the outcome, it really was so much fun. Shout out to all the Hokies in L.A. It, it, it's a cool little band of us. Everybody's kind of got their own unique story. 
Shout out to Billy Ray Mitchell and Pat Finn. I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you guys this past weekend, man. I, I know it looks like a really, really good time. I know you guys are about to talk about it and, and, and dive into that. But uh, this podcast is fun, boys. It is. like it, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing this. So everyone, keep sending in your questions. Expect more giveaways. And uh, we're the podcast for the people, Sons of Saturday. Grayson, didn't you have one? Uh, you did have one readout that you wanted to do. Um, do you want to go ahead and do that readout? Yeah, absolutely. Let me uh, let me pull this up really quickly. I got a DM, and this this DM has wished to remain anonymous, uh, but this person said this in regards to our podcast, and I quote. Honestly, the biggest appeal of the podcast to me is that it doesn't attempt to take itself too seriously. It doesn't come across snooty or pretentious like other podcasts. It makes me feel like I'm just in the car or in my apartment or wherever else getting to talk to some buds about tech sports, having some laughs, etc. It feels very personal, and I still get to learn about how sports work, hear different perspectives, your inside interviews with players. It's really cool. Glad y'all are doing this. That's awesome. That's so great. Like, and, and I should say, and and I quote, um, that is, to, to hear that, guys, is like so cool, man. Because that's like, that's all we've ever wanted for this thing. Is to just be the guys who are genuine. We're not going to come out here and act like we're better than you. That's not that's not how hokies roll. Are you kidding me? No, we're for the people. We're 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 just some fans, an ex player, a class president, and a third generation hokie bringing our unique perspectives to uh, something that we are insanely passionate about, and that's what we do here at Sons of Saturday. I'll double down on that and just say this has been. A joy. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, we have a ton of fun doing this. Um, I don't know how we didn't do it before, but uh, I love talking some hokey football. I never want to um, come off as being a know-it-all. At the end of the day, we're just a couple of guys being dudes talking about the stuff that we love, and um, and that's Virginia Tech football, and that's Virginia Tech as in general. Pat, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, triple down. Love uh, love sitting in front of some folks at the game. Uh, yesterday telling us that they listen to our podcast it's awesome uh, we, we've had a ton of fun doing it and uh, we're just getting started here so you know I don't want to uh, be redundant here but it's been a lot of fun and we're happy to continue it last thing here Grayson I know that you have an open mic coming up do you want to uh, plug that tell everybody where they can catch you telling some great jokes yeah, so for any of my uh, L.A. Hokies, if you're listening to this, I will be doing an open mic tomorrow night at the Dow Comedy Studio at around 7.30 p.m. Come out and listen to the kid tell some jokes because I'm hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> best I don't of, have an ego. <laughs> best of luck, Grayson. I hope you crush that. Everybody stay tuned if you want to hear about uh, South Bend, Indiana. If not, we will talk to you next week um, post-Wake Forest game. Let's take a break. All right, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. Um, we wanted to take this time just to add, you know, we're going to have Hokie representatives on this podcast that are going to road games, checking out some pretty cool environments. And, and you know, this was my first time really getting to check out um, Notre Dame, the town, and the game experience. 
Um, and just wanted to kind of sum it up, uh, do a little, uh, do a little road warrior diary here. So, um, first and foremost, I think the highlight of the trip, uh, we tweeted it from the, uh, sons of sad account, the linebacker, Pat, talk to me about the linebacker. This is, this is a, this is an establishment by the way, not a position. Go ahead, Pat. (laughs) First experience at the backer as the, uh, the locals, and the cool kids call it at Notre Dame. This place is kind of like, it kind of has like Sharky's vibes, but it's a little more divey, um, super intimate memorabilia all over the place. And just like your, your ultimate college football Notre Dame bar. And uh, I met up with some of my brother's friends there. I'm with our group. And uh, we had the jukebox running. The jukebox puts on Enter Sandman because one of my brother's friends put it on for us, which was awesome. Shout out Tom Lennon on the jukebox. And, and we're just sitting there drinking our 32-ounce Bud Lights, which was <laughs> awesome, and for 32 ounces for $5 or whatever. And, and then it comes on, and we're just like sitting there, and we're just like, like all right, I guess, like, do we stand up and start jumping? And then some of my brother's buddies start calling on us out for not jumping so we get up there and we uh we light the place up uh myself and bill jumping up and down during enter salmon which is hilarious but yeah backer backer was awesome shout out matt smith nick diana joining us over there um real quick on the backer um two two little little things that i have here one they had free popcorn and i'm all about free popcorn that was awesome and number two is they had a countdown game clock for the Virginia Tech game but unfortunately the logo was hashtag not my logo they went twisty logo hate to see that um twisty logo. they went twisty logo um but uh, by all accounts the backer was incredible the one another nitpick sorry I got a, I got a couple nitpicks uh don't love the Irish car bombs in plastic cups and plastic shot cups. That should be outlawed. It should be illegal, especially in a town where the town college mascot is the Irish. That is sacrilege. Cosign. Backer was awesome. Hung out there for a while. And then have to give some big-time shout-outs to the uh, the Legacy Village boys. Uh, You know who you are. Uh, My brother, all his roommates outstanding hospitality uh, couldn't be more thankful for um, you know taking us all in our group our group was actually very unique it was very cool to have uh, our group together because I, I brought this group together motley crew i'd like to say because we came from five different uh, locations myself from arlington bill from atlanta taylor ulrich from Iowa City, Iowa, Colin McGuire from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Mariah Viviano from Nashville, Tennessee, and also met up with Jay Tucker, Blacksburg, Virginia. So six different uh, areas of the United States represented here uh, in one crew together. And then you throw my family in northern New Jersey, and uh, it was just uh, a melting pot of orange and maroon in South Bend this weekend, which was pretty cool. Um, and then have to give some more shout-outs. Claire Rooney, the Rooney family, Kate O'Connell. Uh, you guys are awesome. You guys rock. Cartier Kate. Thanks so much for the Cartier hospitality. Kate. Cartier Kate. That's right. Slevin family. Awesome uh, post-game tailgate food. 
the list goes on and on and on, but uh, couldn't be more thankful of that. Had a lot of fun tailgating with Steve Upton and the Hack and Hokies at the game. Uh, we were at Pole 20 in uh, in the main lot there. So that was great. Uh, senior night for soccer. Uh, Brian, you guys got that 1-0 dub over Pittsburgh. Huge. Which was also a lot of fun. Freezing. Very, very cold at the <laughs> soccer game. Um, but yeah, what, what other... What other things you want to touch on, Phil? Couple notes on that before we go to the actual game day atmosphere and wrap it up. Uh, Matt Smith threw on "I Think You Should Leave" with Tim Robinson from Netflix, which I had never heard of. The kids must be watching that nowadays, and it was hilarious. It made me feel old. Also, um, made me miss college a ton. Your boy uh, was not great with. Buying food from Walmart and cooking it on time. Um, we walked in, <laughs> walked in, and uh, we're hit with "Ooh, that smell!" And we were like, "What <laughs> is that smell, Jay?" So we open the windows, trying to air it out a little bit. We don't know what it is. We're on the third floor, so we can't smell it too much. And then it's our last day, and we're like, you know what? Like, I wish someone came to my house a couple years ago and threw out my, you know, fifteen-month-old uh, tomatoes that were on the bottom of my Maple Ridge refrigerator. So I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, man up here, cover up the face with the shirt, and go through this refrigerator <laughs> with your brother. And we start digging around. You know, you come across a couple training table pizzas that look really old, some eggs that are three or four weeks old, but then we get to the mother drove. We come across five pounds of ground beef from not the sell-by date, but the cook-or-freeze-by date of August 12th, which is before week zero of the college football season. <laughs> That had to be thrown out immediately. Um, but smell is gone. So then we headed over. They said, hey, while you're at it, let's check out the other fridge over here by the, uh, by the um, washing machine. And I'm like, oh, God, that sounds like it has disaster potential. Lo and behold, we go in there, got the Tupperwares, and they say, whoop, that's got to be from week one. Open it up. It's lasagna. But I don't know who here have seen Harry Potter, but it looked like the spiders from Harry Potter built up an old condominium in the uh, in the spaghetti and meatballs. This thing had cobweb spiders growing on the meatballs. But hey, listen, it's college. We've all been there. We've all been there. Just don't eat it. You open it up, you say, ooh, that looks horrible, and you throw out the Tupperware as well. Just make sure you recycle it. So that was a fun time as well. I can say I definitely had very very similar experiences in my time living uh living down at 303 washington in my in my years in blacksburg so uh no shame boys legacy village boys keep it up we love it the hospitality was a second to none second to none <laughs> absolutely let's talk about the game <laughs> and the uh and the environment i have to say a couple things that stood out about south bend and the campus and, and other than that the foliage was unbelievable. We got to Legacy Village, and I'm looking at the ground, and I don't know if I look like a village idiot or someone that's never seen trees before, but they have these leaves that are oh, red, man. that are orange, and they're huge. They look like 
when kids are like decorating their classrooms in kindergarten and they take the construction paper and make them huge, these were the most beautiful leaves I have ever seen in my life. And they were on the ground and they were hokey colors. It was electric. It was gorgeous. The campus, second to none. Absolutely beautiful. Touchdown, Jesus. Golden Dome. The Basilica. It's unbelievable. The quads. I mean, I can't imagine that being your norm walking to class. Um, had a Virginia Tech feel all of the buildings with the same kind of facade. Very brick. Very clean. Looks like they power wash them overnight every day. Um, <laughs> your buddy Colin pointed out that they put trees. I mean, they put bikes in the trees. Talk to me about yes. the tree bikes. Crazy. <laughs> Colin's like, yeah, I hear that they like have this tradition where you can just like kind of like pick up a bike anywhere and ride it around and then people just hang it from the trees. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this I, guy? <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't I don't know about that. And then <laughs> four seconds later, we turn a corner. And what do you see? A Schwinn bike upside down hanging from a tree limb just like right in front of the stadium. I was just like, "What is going on here? Are, are we are we at Hogwarts? What what's this witchcraft?" But that was hilarious. And shout out Colin for having a very accurate take there, which was awesome. A, a very accurate take. Uh, the game environment. Have to say, walking into the stadium, getting my tickets from Will Call. Every man or woman working at the stadium looks you in the windows of your soul. And with sincerity says, happy game day, welcome to Notre Dame. And it just, you really can't put into words how accommodating, how welcoming, and how nice everybody is to visiting teams. I, mean, I was really blown away by the hospitality of, uh, of, of that town. Uh, Pat, what, what was your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, the experience is always super pleasant. Every single time I go to South Bend, people could not be more uh, hospitable. Even when you're out at the bar. Uh, in 2016, after beating them, I had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people coming over thanking me for coming. Thank you for making the trip. Hope you guys have an awesome time. Uh, great game. You guys have an awesome team. Drive home safely. And that's that's what it's all about. That's what college football is all about. I mean, you... You, you you get some of these fan bases pitted against each other sometimes, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're we're here for the common goal of enjoying enjoying our favorite thing, which is college football. And Notre Dame really epitomizes that, and that's why it's so much fun going every time. That's why I love going out there for games because you know you're going to get awesome treatment, and I think they really live up to that. Couldn't agree more. In terms of the game itself, I have to say the highlight. It wasn't extremely loud. There were a lot of people there. Uh, I watched in two different spots. I watched um, from the second and first row of section 16, and then in the second half, I moved up with you and your family in 116. Um, shout out to the Finns, by the way. Extremely, extremely nice. It's been great to get to getting to know you. Um, so thank you for being so welcoming. Um, I have to say, for me, the best part of the game was everything leading up to and immediately after the national anthem. So what they did was they had a, a ceremony. They brought the flag out. They started to unfold it. And as they were unfolding the flag, they read the preamble of the uh, Declaration of Independence. Um, and they, they, they attach the flag to the pole. They do the national anthem as they're raising it up. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can see it. It's on Twitter. You can check it out. Um, it's an incredible, incredible moment. They do the flyover. The planes circle around 
the stadium. And as they're circling around, they, they do a live feed of the locker room. They do the, uh, the, the team praise together. And they cut that out. And then the, 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 the F-16s fly over the stadium again in another direction, almost directly at where you were sitting. Um, and that was, that was incredible. What was, uh, what was your favorite moment or event of the game? I would have to say I love right before kickoff – they do this thing where they have this uh, this recording of uh, "Here Come the Irish," this song right before they um, they come out, and it's awesome. And then they do ship it up to Boston right before kickoff, and that's pretty pretty electric. I love uh, their student section. They do a lot of cool uh, traditional things. They're very in sync with the band, which is awesome. I think Notre Dame has one of the best bands there is. Uh, they play a lot of Bon Jovi. They play Mr. Brightside. They play oh. Take On Me. Uh, I think they play some Springsteen songs, too. I'm, I'm, I'm huge on that. Um, but they also do the um, kind of like how Tech throws up people in the student sections after scoring touchdowns. Um, they, they do that very well. Their entire student section. You look across the entire quarter of the stadium, and there are hundreds of kids you know, getting thrown up. But they so in lane you do it uh, belly up, in South Bend you do it uh, belly down, like more of like a push up, uh, which is different. But um, <laughs> definitely enjoyed enjoy the game day experience, despite it being an absolute library the most of the game. You, you got the the fan experience is like a library, and you got a book on the field. It was just uh, kind of funny there, but yeah, it didn't really get loud. Um, like it would have if it was a a battle of undefeated, but still an awesome time. Couple other notes before we close here: they do uh, the boys are back by the Dropkick Murphys um, right before the second half half kickoff. That was awesome. Uh, I loved that. A, a complaint that I had was you can't put the scoreboard video board on the right side of the stadium uh, from behind the visitors bench because touchdown Jesus is over there. Um, and everything else. You have a great view of the Golden Dome, the Basilica, and Touchdown Jesus if you can see it from the upper bowl. It's, an, it's very picturesque. It's gorgeous. Um, but where the scoreboard is located now on the left side, um, if you're in the lower bowl and it's before 4 p.m. Central, uh, the sun is gleaming into your eyes and you can't look at the video board. Eastern. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, Eastern, that's right. When we land in Chicago, it's Central. The sun is gleaming into your eyes and you can't see anything. Speaking of the video board, they do a high amount of super slow motion replays that are awesome. Huge proponent of that. Um, And there's no advertising throughout the stadium. No Powerade, no no Coca-Cola, no IMG, no any of that. The only sponsorship is NBC, and it's very, very minor. So you literally – I love that, that they're not selling space there. The only thing is the NBC up on the scoreboard and the NBC up in the press box. Uh, the walls are barren. It's the same front. If it was at Virginia Tech, it would just be hokey stone with nothing on it, which I think is really high class. Um, and they have the lines in the end zone, which is a good look. Yeah, so uh, just a, an incredible experience, awesome weekend. Hate losing the game, but ultimately uh, had a great time with everyone involved uh you know from the linebacker to tailgating to the soccer game to the football game and everything in between uh, just an outstanding weekend uh, could have not had 
more of a fun time. And shout out to Hookie Nation for making the trip. Always love going to away games and showing our support and, uh, you know, being with the people who absolutely love uh, college football just as much as we do. As far as uh, that goes, that does it for us this week. Um, Pat will be in town, boots on the ground for the Wake Forest game, and we will put out a Wake Forest uh, preview later in the week on our Twitter page, at Sons of Sat. Other than that, everybody have a great week. Thanks for tuning in, and we will be in touch soon. Go, Hokies.